sentire media. Before we get started today, I just wanted to thank you all for telling a friend. Our little podcast from Italy has spread across this world faster than a wildfire. <laughs> I just want to say thank you guys for sharing it with a friend or passing it on, and uh, we really appreciate it. Enjoy the show. You are listening to the Latavola Marche Radio Network. Good morning, and thank you so much for downloading our newest podcast from Italy. I'm Ashley. I'm Jason, and together we have Latavola Marche, a piccolo agriturismo and cooking school here in the foothills of the Apennine Mountains. Yes, and it is a beautiful day. Like we said before, if you were a consistent listener, we tried to tell you this would be inconsistent, and inconsistent it is. We delivered. It's been... A month? month? Couple months. <laughs> Today's the 2nd of September, a beautiful early sp- uh, early September day. Um, it's chilly outside this morning. But Ooh, but they're calling it an Indian summer. They are call- we ha- they're calling it a warm summer. We are getting ready to be in the high 20s or the uh, low, uh, mid to high 80s today. Big swings in the weather comes, come the, kind of this late summer fall. It's 9 degrees in the morning, mid 20s by the afternoon. <laughs> Yeah. Feels good. It does feel good. We got a little bit of a uh, little bit of rain uh, last week. Was it two uh-huh. weeks ago? Uh, ten days ago, and so um, everything's the grass is po- perked back up. The it hills sure are is. Green it's again. trying to places where it was dry and dead. It's starting to. Did you see there? Like even down in the chicken coop, it's starting to new grass is popping up. But um, enough about weather. We have a ton to talk. <laughs> we have a ton of stuff to talk about today. So let's start it off. Without further ado, where are we, Ash? Well, like you said, it's the second of September. We've Oh, we're two-thirds done with our season. We kind of break Woo. it up into, like, pre-June. Normally, we have some event going on in June, and this year it was my sister's wedding. So everything was before the wedding. Then it was June through August is the, you know, meat and potatoes of the summer. And now that it's September, whew, we got we're, we're into the fall stretch, the final stretch, the home stretch, and it is feeling good. We had a busy, busy summer, crazy guests, probably one of the most destructive seasons, I would say. Would you agree? I would agree. Children, children have destroyed my life. Yeah, it was a, not and, my children because I don't have any. <laughs> but I don't know. Is it just <coughs> six years in the houses are it's starting to fall apart, or is it everything is fragile and kids are just? I think it's. I I think it's twofold. I think yes. We've been here six years. It's been you know over twelve since the house has been restored, and stuff just has a shelf life. I think also when parents come here, they go on vacation from being parents as well. Mm-hmm. They um, they feel safe because there's no traffic on the road in front of the house. They can't. The kids can't go anywhere. No, it's nice. So they kind of I think take a little. Um, they kind of tune out the kids uh-huh. for a minute. And the and kids go crazy. Kids go insane. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible, but kids broke a park bench. Wait, who who week, breaks a park bench? In one week, maybe it was two. We could we call it two. We had more children than adults at the house. And it, we had 
three or four lampposts broken, a park bench. I have it all written down. Three, four lampposts broken, four umbrellas broken, a park bench, two toilets. The lights inside the pool, which that one, the, the, those, really, I'm not sure how they did. The uh, Yeah, the, uh, the lights for the pool that are like uh, inside of this like plastic casing with a thing around it. Yeah, and- that is so bizarre because those were not loose. I wonder if they had some suction cup toy like that they were playing with under the water i don't know but it was just like are you kidding me and not to start off with a bitch fest for the podcast i would hate to have it really feel like that we're just sharing everyday life sharing stories but uh well next, for if next we have year, to take the cake it wasn't the children who made the no 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 so we have the <laughs> of the year award and if you don't know what a stronzo is go look it up but every year one guest gets or one group you know one booking gets named the stronzo of the year so, Ashley, the, uh, the leader for this year? Well, we can't name names, no, but uh, no, no. incident of the year. I think I'll do my laundry in the bidet, leave the water running, go down to dinner, and four hours later realize that I've flooded my apartment, the bathroom, and into the dining room. OMG, you guys. It was horrible. So we had a person. I actually that was not a very good way of telling. I was just trying to tell it quick, so I didn't. You told me not to make it into a whole long story. Someone decided that instead of asking to use our laundry machine, our our um, clothes washer, like everyone else in the it does, um, <laughs> they decided it'd be a good idea to plug their bidet up with all their dirty laundry and turn the water on it and go to dinner. Four hours later, Ashley hears water dripping in our dining room. And go upstairs to find their whole room flooded and the water now is coming down and making a... It was pouring through the wall in the dining room behind the wine rack. And it was coming into the wine rack. And it was like, oh my god. And the guest's (laughs) reaction to this, who did it? Ah, it'll dry. You'll probably make more money off the insurance than it was even worse. So there you go. There's the, that is the Stronzi. That's the Stronzo of the year so far. Uh, if you would like to try to beat that, it's going to be don't. tough. Please don't. It's going to be <laughs> tough to beat that one. But I'm sure someone out there could try. It was, that was pretty incredible. I, we were all riled up for a few days after that. We were really concerned there was going to be problems with... Uh, well, we still don't know. It, who, who knows if it's what's going on? We got to get someone out to look inside of the inside of the floor. Ooh, that's hard. That's hard. Um, so what else is going on? To, yesterday, to mark the beginning of September, you pulled out the first pumpkins from the garden. Pumpkins are coming up ready. We jarred our first batch of tomatoes. Yep. We did 35 jars the other day. Um, tomatoes are looking good. The uh, the fall stuff, so the fennel and the cabbages and the broccoli and the cauliflower and all that stuff is looking great. Uh, the you said the carrots weren't as good? I didn't. My carrots didn't take this year. Mm. Carolyn has beautiful carrots. Though. Did you see her beautiful carrots? Um, but the garden's doing well. It's t- time to start um, winding down the summer stuff. Except and- we had a visitor in the garden. Oh yeah, we had a porcupine family come into Wait, the bottom of the garden. Wait, you keep changing it. Is it porcupine or was it a boar? I never said a boar. You're I thought the one you said, said the boar. boar. It's a porcupine. Are you sure? You can tell by the the scratch marks. Oh. Uh, we had a porcupine family come in to the bottom of the garden, get under the fence, and they ate. Five or six butternut squash, a bunch of pumpkins. They take, um, like, bites out of it. So it's almost worse. Just take the whole freaking thing and enjoy your meal. But taking bites out of each one. Oh, oh, mm, not my fave. Not my fave. I'm going to keep going on. That kills me because it ruins the freaking 
um pumpkin or squash or whatever it's like just eat the whole thing enjoy buon appetito you already ruined it but it's nature baby it happens so it's a good thing you planted extra Yep. So, but we fixed the, we mended the hole or the, I put a big log on the bottom of the fence. So no more porcupines. You guys can find a different way to come in. The chickens are back to producing. We had a lull in the, the chickens. They went from, um, doing basically one per head per day to, we would only get three or four for out of 16 or 20 chickens. We lost a few. One decided not to. Oh, funny story. So I think we told it. Did we tell this story on the, on the podcast? I think so. Well, whatever. We'll tell it again. There was one chicken, one hen, who always would sleep outside of the the coop, the inner coop where they while all the hens sleep. And I'd walk by her every night while the hens were in their bed, and I'd tell her, "You're gonna get got one night. The, You're gonna get got. The fox is gonna find you." And I'd go to try to grab her and pick her up and throw her into the coop, and she did not want to go. She didn't. She liked the little spot, yeah, right by the coop, above, like on this little. It was a hot, on a little ledge of dirt. She made. She was happy. He's a clam. Yeah. Well, one night, about eh, two, three weeks ago, we hear this god-awful death scream in the middle of the night down in the chicken coop. And the chicken screaming as she was being dragged down to the river. Oh, and my God. It, good morning to all you listeners, by the way. I hope you're enjoying this story. And it was like, well, I, to- I told you so. It was horrible to hear. But that was the first thing Jason said in the middle of the night. He rolls over and goes, I told her. <laughs> I told her. I told her a hundred times. And then the, the next morning when I went down to let all the chickens out, nothing but a pile of feathers on her little spot where she likes to sleep. So for all you other chickens out there. Sleep in your coop. It's locked at night. The fox can't get you. And speaking of the fox, we had a little Volpino, a little baby fox come up to the house the other night after dinner. It was like 1130, 12, and just the last couple guests were getting ready for heading in for bed, and we were turning off the lights and stuff. And all of a sudden, I look over by the um, kind of little herb garden and just in the front yard, and there was this cute little um fox running around big ears tiny body not much bigger than the cats and in fact the cats are sitting there watching it run around and i walked up to it like i was gonna pet it or something i have no idea but all of a sudden you're like oh cute and the freaking um (laughs) i don't know i just thought this thing is so cute immediately i wanted to feed it and then i thought no if i do that it's gonna keep coming around here and then i thought well let me throw at first i yelled at it and it didn't do anything and then it it was like midnight so i thought i shouldn't be yelling so i threw a tomato and it ran away but the problem is where there's one cute little baby fox i'm sure there's a mama fox and those things will come back and eat the hens for sure so i just don't i keep thinking when it gets cooler we got to be careful. That's when we always have the most uh, kind of slaughtering, if you will, from nature. Early September, October, because it's nice and cool and the foxes and stuff come out in the middle of the day. All right. Um, other things. There's tons of festivals going on all over La Marque. In Piobico yesterday, they had the festival of Polenta Carbonara. What is Polenta di Carbonara, Ash? It's polenta made in the traditional. I think we've had this podcast a few times. It's traditional uh, polenta made over a copper cauldron with uh, a meat sauce. 
and they make it kind of lasagna, not lasagna style, but almost. They cut slices. They they pour the polenta onto the table and wrap it up with a damp cloth, so it and then it hardens. And then with string tied around their finger, they use the string to like cut the polenta into slices, and then lay it in a casserole dish and pour this very rich sauce over the top that has porcini mushrooms and tons of different meats and they cook it you know they cook it for 12 hours blah 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 blah, blah. and um they have a huge festival and um piovico is known for this and it's pretty damn good uh they also have one with lumake which is snails and wild fennel, which i prefer over the red one but um we went and stopped by yesterday and checked it all out and they had the the big traveling market there and there was some excuse me there was some um very tanned, very glittery woman who was doing who was singing that night. I don't remember her name, but it was surely awesome. Um, but these festivals, something like this, is going over all over Italy at almost the last six weeks in a row. Um, every every town or most towns or most areas will have their festivals, and it usually has to do around either a some kind of race, either a donkey race or an ape race or a. Uh, uh, goose race or it happens uh, over food and um, ours is always over food they did have a um, ape raduno which is a um, ape race those little three-wheel carts that i'm sure if you go to the italian countryside you'll see they're made by a company called yeah they they go really slow and they're made by a company called piaggio and um and why are they called ape because they uh, the ape means a a bee and it sounds like it sounds like a bee when they go and the best part is you don't need a license to drive them. No, you don't. So you'll see either really young kids or really old people driving them. It's, isn't it like that? It's like yeah, no yeah, one, yeah. you never see like a 32-year-old guy driving it. It's either I'll like, never forget when we saw the old couple and they were a really chubby old couple giving, walking to their – kind of waddling to the um, ape. This was in Kali years ago and – you were like, how are they both going to fit in that car, in that front of the ape? Because it's so tiny. And really, the driver sits in the middle for the most part, right? Yeah, it's like a motorcycle mm-hmm. steering wheel. It's like motorcycle handlebars exactly. inside this little – Google it. Just Google ape, A-P-E. It's made by Piaggio. I'll have to put a picture up with the podcast now. And um, give me a pen so I for- don't forget to write that down. Um, and uh, – so the old guy gets in the car and the old lady gets in the back in the, <laughs> the tailgate. And we're like, well, I guess that's how they're getting home because we knew they both weren't going to fit in the front. But they're funny little cars. I love it when they get all tricked out. Yes. Kids will throw money at, into them and trick them out and race them. And there is Roll a, bars. Yeah. There's an ape, um, like <laughs> a circuit that they go into different towns and uh, race their apes. But like, anyway, we digress. We definitely so digress. Let's go through some of the questions. Last podcast, um, the last couple podcasts we put out there to email questions. And you guys have been awesome. People have been emailing us to get the podcast back going, <laughs> sending us notes on Facebook and it's really great. It's I'm not so the, sorry that it's we've It's not been... that we don't want to do a podcast. We just don't – I honestly have time. It's so crazy in the summertime and we're running in a thousand different directions. And if we're going to sit down and do a podcast, I don't want to do a half ass podcast. I want to make it 
Well, no, and then it's also loading it up and getting it posted and doing the whatever, whatever. Now that now that the summer's coming to an end, we'll have we can always now it's easier to squeeze in forty five minutes an hour to figure out a podcast. The next podcast will be recorded on November first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, questions that our very nice listeners sent in. Shoot. All right, first question. This one's a great one for you to answer, Jason, from Tom and Mary in Colorado. Uh, they were just here again. Ciao. Um, I do not understand how to get gas at Italian gas stations. Is there a trick to how to do that? You mean what to pump? I think th- All right, the we'll credit card, cash, the whole thing. Okay. So during the day, now this is in the, in the countryside. This is in the countryside, not necessarily in the cities. It's probably different. There's probably someone al- always there. In the countryside, there's... Um, which means do it yourself, pump it yourself. And if you go to the pump yourself, you, you pump it. But look around because a lot of the times, especially around here, when you go to Fide Tete, the little gas attendant pumps for you. Now, I've noticed on the Superstrada or the Autostrada, the, the, the freeways, if well, they're not free, the highway, um, it, when you go to the Fide Tete or uh, self-serve, you actually do it. And You'll see the sign too. It'll say like m- minus three. Yeah, it'll say like Sconto minus three or minus eight chintesimi. And just follow the herd because most of the people are going to be going to the self-serve. And then look around. If people are pumping it themselves, you pump it yourselves. If you notice that they're just looking around and and waiting for the attendant, then just do the same thing. Um, If you are by yourself and the place is closed, you can put your card in or you put cash. Careful. Uh, North American, non-European credit cards do not seem to work at all the gas stations when they're uh, in the off hours. So ca- always ca- remember, Italy's a cash country. Always have cash on you. That being said, it's not going to spit out change. No. Yes. <laughs> very good point. That being said, if you put in 50 euro and you only t- your car can only take 39 euro, you're not going to get ch- money back you're going to get a receipt back which you can either come back to the gas station and get the money back or it's credit for gas the next time so at be, any age egypt nope, uh, only at that oh, one oh, yes believe you me I only believe at that station because they're all independent okay um another huge tip that i have done <laughs> and looked retarded is when you go to pump and i put the pump in the car then I go to pay, and then it shows that it's already in use. So you can't pay for the pump you've already put your excellent, pump in. Excellent. Yes. Excellent point. And then I Don't... thought it was broken, so I go and drive, and I do it again in another pump. And I was like, and I put the, the pump back into the car, and I'm like, what the hell? Is do the not, pump broken? Do not take the pistol out of the holder for the, ga- for the gas before you've done the transaction. The, the transaction. Yeah, you have to like prepay or put in your cash or credit card Whatever. First. And this is when it's closed. When the place is open. And there's a tendon, it's way easier. You just, you just, pair favore, and they'll help you out. It's not a big deal. But in off hours, don't take the pistol out until you've done the whole transaction. Green or benzina is unleaded. Um, the black one is gasolio or diesel fuel. Very good. Anything else you would like to add? No. The gas station and um, the, the car washes are pretty cool too. I don't know why they don't do this in the States where it's the machine goes over your car versus your car going through the uh, car wash tunnel. I mm-hmm. like it. I like it. Um, moving right along, let's head up the next question from John Scroggs. Share, J- if Jason could share his top tips um, for tomato recipes. 
top tomato tips. Um, I don't. Uh, let's see. Well, obviously, we have the um, the uh, bruschetta. Just chop them all up and throw some olive oil and some salt and pepper and some herbs on them, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some things that I've been doing lately are slow-roasted oven tomatoes. I take the round tomatoes, uh, cut off the top third. Could you do any round? Like, he's asking because they grow tomatoes. So you could use any big tomato? Any big tomato. These are slow-roasted tomatoes in the oven. Any round tomato, not oblong-shaped or tiny or... Whatever, normal, uh, a traditional shaped tomato. Cut off the top third. Put it in a, on a cookie sheet with some olive oil. Put uh, uh, olive oil over the top, salt and pepper. Put it into a slow oven. So I put it into 150 degrees, or that would be like uh, 250 or 275-ish. Two, um, five, six hours. Every couple of hours, baste the tomato with the juices and the oil that comes out. You don't put any herbs? Um, keep going. Um, oh, oh, yet. oh, not yet. Okay. The last hour, take um, the the last hour or so, take a clove of garlic and a few uh, leaves of whatever herbs you want, basil, oregano, whatever. Chop them up super fine and put them on top of the tomatoes and baste them one more time. Let them go another 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour or whatever. Make sure you don't burn the garlic. That's the main thing. Bring them out of the oven, let them cool, and then place one anchovy over the top. So you have this sweet tomato sweet herby garlicky tomato with this salty um anchovy and it's even if you don't like anchovies try it because this is delicious people from the states and whatnot is it um what kind of anchovies should they look for i like anchovies i like anchovies from sardinia under salt but you're not going to probably find those unless you go to a super specialty italian yeah something like that so just regular like the anchovies you get under oil are do you have to rinse them or anything? No, not okay. the ones under oil. The ones under salt, yeah. Okay. What else is another good tomato? Oh, I, just hit, I just hit my tooth with my coffee cup. That was terrible. I heard that. <laughs> what else? Uh, sometimes you do the stuffed tomatoes. Uh, yeah, we, uh, I haven't really done those so much this year, the stuffed tomatoes. Um, I stuff them with rice or you can stuff them with grains or you can stuff them with meat or you can stuff them with seafood. Um, we do a ton of just like... Pane pomodoro. <laughs> yeah, our tomatoes are are just eat, just to eat them are super great. I do a garden salad, which is uh, the little cherry grape or datcherini tomatoes with um, thinly sliced peppers and um, thinly sliced onions or um, cucumber onion tomato salad. Of course, that's really a traditional one. I'm not telling you anything that's. Oh, you do the lemon the- tomato. Oh, yeah. I take my tomatoes and I'll scoop the seeds out and pass them through the um, food mill to make like a passata or sauce. Then you take olive oil with good lemons and you take – you zest the lemons and let it sit in the olive oil overnight. Then you strain the lemon zest out of the olive oil and you mix the past fresh tomato, the uh, olive oil – the lemon olive oil, salt, and some pepper together and it's a raw sauce. And you just toss your hot pasta in this this raw sauce. And the brightness of the lemon and the sweetness of the tomatoes are delicious. It is so good. Go get good olive oil, though. Don't do it with cheapy colavita. Get good olive oil for that. And my favorite thing you do is your tomato tasting. Oh, yeah. That's Which another thing. Which is a really thing. cool you, thing people can if do. If you grow a lot of different types of tomatoes, it's really interesting to put all the tomatoes next to each other and do a tomato tasting. So I'll pick f- you know, five or seven different types of tomatoes. Pair it with something like burrata, like a really 
buttery, nice, fresh cheese and just have people start at, you know, you put the first one you want at them to try at 12 o'clock and then they just go around the clock and have them taste it and work from sweet to acidic. And you can see how the tomatoes really, um, whether they're, uh, uh, the skins are thin or the skins are thick or they're, um, meteor, meteor, or more acidic or their, how the, the flesh is different. Some of them are very firm flesh. Some of them. Um, are softer flesh. If your tomatoes are mealy, mealy, they're too, they're past, just make them in, just pass them for sauce. They're, they're too mature, but it's really interesting how different tomatoes really are. And you really have to put them right next to each other and try one after the other Mm -hmm. to see these differences. And it's beautiful to see. I'm trying to think of another tomato thing. Um, you do so many sauces and stuff anyway. Uh, yeah. And I use tons of, I use, I've been using tomatoes in everything. I'm making, um, uh, carpaccio of different vegetables, carpaccio of carrot, carpaccio of veal, carpaccio of uh, zucchini. How do you do carpaccio of carrot? Really easy. Steam your carrot. Get your beautiful carrots out of the garden. Steam them halfway. Get yourself a mandolin and slice them paper thin and then lay them down. You can do carpaccio of anything. Everyone thinks carpaccio just means meat or fish. But no, I do carpaccio of beets, carpaccio of carrot, carpaccio of... Um, uh, zucchini, carpaccio of potato. If you have purple potato and yellow potato and white potato, same thing. You can cut paper thin slices and um, steam them. Can make carpaccio of just about anything. Um, you also do tomato um, vidori gratinata, which is delicious. Oh yeah, the same way you can do the, with the uh, in the oven the tomatoes. So instead of cooking it low and slow, I cook it a little faster, regular 180 degree or 350 with olive oil, breadcrumbs, salt and pepper over them in the oven. That's absolutely delicious too. Cook cook the tomatoes until they're you know cooked. They're not falling apart, but they're not firm anymore. And you could do that with also with any vegetable. That's on our website on our blog Vidori Gratinata. Mm-hmm. Baked vegetables with breadcrumbs. Okay, so for another podcast question, listener question, um, let's go through this one. Maybe I'll read part of her email because it's great. Um, this is from Jennifer, and I don't have – I think she's in Texas by way of Connecticut. <laughs> Whatever. How do you, what was that we were listening to on a podcast? Oh, because they talk, no one says that they hail from hail- <laughs> By way of... Hailing from Texas by way of Connecticut. That means you're from Texas, but you you train in Connecticut. Oh, I mean that she's from Connecticut but lives in Texas. Well, then it's the opposite. So she hails from Connecticut by way of Texas. That's what I said. (laughs) All right. Hi, Jason and Ashley. I want to start off by saying how much I love your podcast. All right. I'll skip that stuff. Um, When we were in Italy, my husband and I were amazed at the taste of the food. We would have something very simple, yet the flavors were divine. I usually spent the first few bites giggling because we couldn't believe how good everything tasted our experience came from restaurants but i'm curious about the way italian families eat at home um the questions i have are regarding food and more specifically what people eat on a daily basis um she also mentions that she listened to our podcast previously with um dr mike um about people and their longevity and for the marca gianni and so she was that's what her questions are what's a typical breakfast lunch and dinner and she's got a few more so we'll start with that okay typical breakfast is uh for adults is at home yeah at not home at a is a cafe latte which is milk and coffee or a cap- cappuccino and probably some kind of pastry like a little croissanty uh whatever most italian a lot of italians take their 
prima colazione in a bar and it's literally just a coffee and a pastry and then they'll have a snack i don't like a 10 or 11 they'll probably have a tiny panino a little tiny sandwich or maybe a slice of um pizza bianco and yogurt's getting more popular too like they'll have a little yogurt near their breakfast or really for that midday that mid morning mid morning is and for and the harder you work the more physical labor you do the bigger that little mid morning snack is um for instance we know our friend up the road pierangelo they'll have like prosciutto and and cheese and because they need that fat and that that they need mm-hmm. more substance to keep them going throughout the morning um so light breakfast light bre- I, hardly any anything and that's part of why italians are always so curious with americans and like that idea of the grand slam you know the denny's grand slam just going do you have pancakes and eggs and every waffles day. and cereal every day and in, in fact cereal some is so weird here they don't have very many options to begin with but sometimes they'll s- s- serve it in a mug of warm milk <laughs> just just weird but that happened to Sean and Linda when they stayed at Gachi's. Yeah, Rosanna yeah. was trying to serve them in warm milk. But breakfast is nothing big. Lunch. Lunch, Lunch. is probably the biggest meal of the day. Um, pasta is typical. And then... Oh, um, t- pasta is almost p- mandatory. Almost mandatory. Well, first of all, back it up. Everyone goes home. Not everyone. Well, most can. people go home for lunch. Most people around here go home for lunch. Yes. If you work in a larger city or you live too far, you won't go home for lunch. But schools and things. Um, if you work in like a business park or something, there's a lot of really mm. pl- lunch places that will have a menu, complete menu for like 10 or 12 euro. And it will be a pasta, a meat, a usually contorno, like a salad or cooked vegetable, and a coffee and wine for like 12 euro. Um at home, usually, it would be, um, like, for instance, Gaji will usually have some pasta and a piece of uh, dried sausage or a slice of prosciutto, or they're not having the big, huge, full courses that, that you would think. Once um, Sunday lunches, yes. Mm-hmm. Sunday lunch is the biggest meal of the week, and that will be the full-on antipasti, primo, maybe two pastas, the secundo. Um, don't you know the 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 meat course? But that'll probably be the one thing that they eat for di- for the whole day, and then maybe at night they'll maybe have a frittata or a um, a little salad or something. But back to l- normal lunch every day is usually pasta and then a little something and, as well. Well, like a perfect example is someone like Rosanna who will make a meat ragu and then serve the meat in umido next to the pasta afterwards like ex- yeah that is- so she'll make a a, a sugo a, a ragu and she'll put p- uh, big um bones and uh like rib uh, pork ribs and she'll put chunks of meat and bone to you know por- chunks of beef that has meat and bone together and then sh- she'll serve the pasta with the meat sauce first and then halfway through your pasta she'll put the meat on the the bones on the table and everyone eats the meat on the bones which is delicious Mm -hmm. as well and then probably a little bit of salad or something with that Mm -hmm. that'll be lunch Um, wine certainly definitely wine um mid and then again at maybe four like six o'clock i would say there is an acceptable time to have another little snack, and that depends. If you get a glass of wine or something, usually every bar or enoteca serves little snacks with their their aperitivo. Um, again, you might have a little slice of pizza or a piece of fruit or something or other. Tarallis or nuts. Yeah, and then for dinner at around, depending on where you live, eight anywhere from 8 to 9.30 is dinner time. Um, 
that is depends. I would think if most of the time if you had pasta for lunch, you're not going to pasta it again for dinner. And but vice that's versa. you. Yeah. Gaji <laughs> disagrees completely. A lot. So does Claudia. She'll say every meal like they're making pasta. Um, well, for instance, the Godster, he'll usually have pasta for lunch, and then at dinner time he'll have. Like uh, this time of year, he'll have a tomato, cucumber, red onion salad, and um, a hunk of cheese and some dried sausages and Mm -hmm. some bread. Or he'll have um, uh, uh, a little veal in the pan with a salad or with a, um, you know, thin slices of veal in the, done in the pan really simply with, you you know, like um, capers and lemon juice or something. And then um, definitely vegetables. But um, the but like but why I was saying someone like Claudia, she's got kids. Like if you've got a family with kids, yeah, you're making pasta. pasta. A lot. Exactly, Gaji's an old guy, and it's just him and his wife. So for like a family, they're having that at lunch and dinner for sure. But not uh, necessarily all the time. Pasta is a main the main grain of the the main staple of their diet. But you, know, you think they're eating pasta you two t- times a day every day? I'm telling you what she tells me. Yes. All right, we're going to get back to this. I'm going to call Claudia. <laughs> All right. You call I'll Claudia. I'll ask her. But um, don't, don't think that the meals that we serve where every dinner we're serving two, you know, five antipasti, a, pre- a first course, a second course, and a, and a dessert, they don't, they don't eat like that. No, but I think part of the question um, comes from the confusion out of experts in the States telling you what kind of diet is best for you. Well, and I'll, then to hear I'll that like a what, Mediterranean... Their, their diet is around here is a base of olive oil as their main fat. It's heavy on the vegetables... It's lighter on the meat, and it's free of, like, um, it's clean. It doesn't have the preservatives It doesn't have the preservatives, the hormones, none of that. So there is no, there is, there is, but no one, I've never seen anyone buy it. Like, milk, everyone just buys milk. There is skim milk, but no one buys skim milk. There oh, but is, that being said, on milk, because that is one of the questions she has, too, about dairy, um... If you buy the fresh milk, it's most likely going to be, yeah, whole or 2% or probably not even 2%, but it, they have like a, a skimmed. They call it a, partially skimmed. Yeah. Partially skimmed. It would just still creamy it's and delicious. It's creamier than the 2% in the States, I think. But what I was going to say is that a majority, I shouldn't say majority, out here, it seems like a lot of people buy long life milk. Uh, yeah. Um, the older generation, uh-huh. they're into the long life, super pasteurized, in the box, shelf stable milk. Which is disgusting. Totally gross. I don't understand it because our milk here is del- oh the fresh God, milk I is know. delicious. Would you have access to it for a euro twenty? <laughs> it's like what would you? It's, buy? I think it's it's a throwback oh thing. Um, um, the other question about meals is meat. Is it eaten daily at every meal? What type of meat is usually eaten? Um, That's I do not think the meat is eaten daily at every meal at all. I agree. If you have the, I would say there it's like eighty percent vegetables, twenty percent meat instead of 80 meat 20 veggie and out here the type of meat eaten um veal when i say veal we've been over this but when i say veal it's vitello there's three types of vitello there's vitello latte or milk fed veal that is still nursing vitellone teenager or bovino adulto you it's, uh, veal is a like saying beef yeah it, everyone gets the image of yeah uh, the people say well i can't find veal and no, no no i'm just saying beef they don't call it they Monzo, I think there's just like in the states, there's a bunch of names for cow, and uh, you could call it Monzo, Vitello, Vitellone, Bovino Adulto. I mean, it's it's they're they're all different classifications. So when I say veal, I don't necessarily mean baby cow. I just mean. <laughs> 
cow. That People is, think you mean baby I cow. I know they do. I, because, well, vitello. You just call it vitello. I know. I know. Um, so but, you were saying. But no, vi, uh, meat is not eaten at every meal at all. And so much so that this is why I think when people go out to dinner, they're surprised because a lot of times at restaurants, you won't see a lot of vegetables on the menu. And that's because when people go out to dinner, at least out here, they're looking for meat on the menu. No one wants to, everyone, most of well, I shouldn't say everyone. I know. <laughs> I'm trying not to talk in absolutes. So I, when I say Italians everyone. or everyone, I don't want to say everyone. I want to say the people we know. Most people we know have gardens and have tons of vegetables. So if you're going to go out and spend money, I don't want a, a salad. I don't want <laughs> your, you know, I don't want tomatoes. I eat tomatoes, uh, tomato salad all the time. They want meat, meat, and meat. And to answer the question, what type of meat? Pork uh, or veal. And out here especially. I would say it's pork, the, the big four, pork, veal, um, rabbit, and uh, lamb. Oh, lamb, yeah. And then game sure. in the season. Mm-hmm. But they're meat eaters out here, man. Big time. And you will not, and again, like Jason said, try not to talk in in absolutes, but most likely you will not find a boar sauce along the coast, (laughs) just like you won't find a spaghetti with vongole inland. inland. So remember where you're eating is um, geographically will dictate what kind of uh, protein is on your plate as well. Uh, let's see here. What else? Our pot. Oh, we talked about this pasta and bread eaten with every meal. Bread is bre- bread is a big one. Bread's mm-hmm. always around. Um, and do vegetable dishes play a large role in Italian meals? I think we already answered that by saying yes. Absolutely. Especially at home. Like one of my favorite things Rosanna would do is, and I remember the first time I saw this, I thought, oh my God, this is so freaking easy and delicious. The shaved cauliflower. Mm. You know, it's, that's just to me classic. It's so how, like, you can do this with um, broccoli and cauliflower. We'll talk about this in the fall when, when we get our broccoli and cauliflower. But you shave the flowers off of it. So very, very carefully, you shave the tops of the broccoli, not going down to the stalks. So it becomes like this. How would you describe it? It's just shaved. It's yeah. like like someone took a cheese grate, like, yeah. like par- grated Parmesan broccoli. Like uh-huh, grated or cauliflower. Che- and it is... And all you do is toss it with a tiny bit of olive oil, salt, and pepper. And a tiny bit of vinegar, too, no? She probably puts a I drop think she, of vinegar. she likes vinegar. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, she does like vinegar. And it's, it's phenomenal. It raw, is. Totally raw. <laughs> the trick is you must shave it. If you don't shave it really, really th- fine, then it's too tough. It's just... It's funny. To me, that is just so classic because... You'll have a lot of when a vegetable is in season at someone's home, you have it raw in a chunk most often, like the fennel or artichokes, where we've had it at a festival um, outside of Siena one time, where, yeah, you just get like chunks of raw artichokes, not steamed or anything. It's just olive oil and salt and pepper. So, yes, vegetables are constantly consumed. Um, Beans and grains. What about them? That's the next Beans and grains are a big one, too. Um, Faro is huge around here. Faro is the grain that the Romans built the Via Flaminia from Rome to Fano to bring this grain back. It's similar to spelt, but it is not spelt. It is its own thing. It is faro. Um, it's great. It's uh, it's delicious. It's, it's delicious. hearty and nutty. Used in so many different things. Lentils are a big grain out here. Um, so are chickpeas. Absolutely. Uh, Castelluto is a place oh, in, in Southern Marque where the lentils are grown. They're famous for their lentils. Um, potatoes are a big one as well. Um, so, yeah. Well, 
That potatoes, was that's not, potatoes aren't a bean or grain. I'm sorry, you're right, but potatoes are big. But yeah, they are big onto the grains, like you just said. Absolutely, so cold grain salad with soups. the chickpeas and uh, yeah, the lentils, especially around Christmas, are really popular. Farro all year round mm-hmm. in many ways. Farro salads with black truffles and pomegranates, and we do a you summer farro oh salad. Oh my god, you've gotten really good. I love your one with radicchio um, and walnuts. And as far as beans, two beans, um, borlotti or cranberry or speckled beans are the most popular in the for the gardens. Um, and um, the the um, white beans, the big white beans, the cannellini. Oh, yeah. And would you call fava beans? Fava are beans, but fava are a spring. No, no, no. I know, but I was just curious. All right. I don't know what happened there because uh, it... (laughs) Technical difficulties. Yeah, it said low battery and it cut out. So um, where were we? We were were just kind of wrapping up, actually, saying her her last question was, what makes the Italian diet so healthy? And I feel like we answered it already by explaining each thing. I would say lots of physical activity. Um... No chemicals or preservatives or very little and um, a um, diet has, yeah, with a base of olive oil and high in, in um, vegetable. And um, not having the meat every day or small portions. Smaller por- more vegetables, less, less meat. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then you can eat whatever – basically whatever. You can eat prosciutto and you can have full-fat milk and full-fat cheese. Mm-hmm. No one makes – can't get low-fat cheese. That's In fact, you were upset that the sour cream we actually found was only... Oh, man. <laughs> we don't have... Going, Where's full-fat sour cream? I want the full-fat. <laughs> There's a French company that makes this, what they call fresh cheese, but it really tastes like the best sour cream you've ever oh had. Oh, my God. It's so so I made... Uh, I made. It. It's taken us like five years to find something like this, by the way. We've had no guests. We, we have a little break. We always plan ourselves two nights with no guests at the end of the summer because we just need... I need two night, two days with no one here. So I made taco night the other oh, day. Oh, mamacita. And it was <laughs> kind of fakey taco night. You know, you really don't have all the... Uh, you don't have tortillas. You have pedine, but it works. <laughs> it works. Um, you don't really have the, the spices you need, but you figure it out. In um, Instead of Mexican rice, we may had um, Indian couscous. <laughs> Close enough. Was it just whatever ethnic? But the thing that makes the whole thing is salsa from the garden, and I grow cilantro, and I grow, or and I grow all the things you need for Mexican salsa, and um, sour cream. If you have salsa and sour cream, oh lime and lime, that's true. We found limes. Um, those three things you can pretty much BS your way through a Mexican. You dinner. got yourself a Mexican dinner, and <laughs> if you haven't had Mexican food in six years, it tastes close enough to it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, it was good. Grilling it up. And you even found chicken wings. Chicken thighs. Oh, chicken thighs, I mean. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, thighs. It was good. So that was our little treat to ourselves. <laughs> Why were we even talking about this? I have this? no idea. We're just so excited about it. <laughs> well, it's a uh, classic. As Jason said, we have the uh, two days without guests, and it's nice and quiet, our recharge. But guess who's here? Sure, shit. First thing in the morning. 7.05 this morning. I'm in there half asleep making coffee in the kitchen. Guess who walks in? The old godster ready to go. It's like, God damn, sir. You can't let me sleep in and just leave me be for one. Nope. And I told him, I gave him coffee and then I told him to get out of here to go bust uh, Basilio's balls up the road <laughs> for an hour and give me a break. Because right now it is 8 thir- it's 8.35. And... and- he- and he, an hour later? An hour later, guess who was back? 
the godster. <laughs> you can hear the dog barking at all. It's like, oh my god, he's relentless. But we love him. I love it. I love the predictability of him, and I love the. Um, that makes me want to sing this full house theme song. I know. I love his. I was just. It's great. One day, one day he's not going to come over every single day, and you're going to miss it. And he's not going to bust your chops, and you're going to miss it. He's not going to call you a lazy vagabondo. <laughs> And, and I'll miss it. And you'll miss it. And, he, and go over every eye. Will, he, he'll walk. Oh, you bums. It's 7.05 in the morning. Your gear's getting up. I've been up since 5 o'clock. I fed Tom. I read the news. He'll go through all the stuff he's done that morning. It's great. Anyway, what else? We got one more one more thing to talk about, I thought. Um, Turn your paper over. What does it say? I think we'll save it for the next podcast because it's a whole other Farm to fork, getting into organic uh, I questionnaire. I don't have time for that. Exactly. We'll save it for the next podcast. All right. Well, I have to go pull up the rest of my potatoes out of the ground. Yep. Ashley, what are you working on? The book. Still working on the book. Working on the book. Coming up this week, um, we have our, our yoga retreat. We're going to get very zen. Mm-hmm. We have our first yoga uh, retreat going on. Um, September's packed. We got tons of stuff to do. The this year, the word on the street is the mushrooms are going to be doing really well. Truffles so the, did. Truffles uh, should be good this year. The um, and all the other ones that come out of the the porcini, the uh, giallini, and russula. Um, I don't know. I'm just naming Italian mushrooms that no one's going to know about. I was just remembering too. We got to give a uh, not shout out, but a stay tuned because. We're going to be doing some gelato cooking classes this fall. Oh, yeah. Our friend um, Paolo and Antonio, they got a little portable gelato maker, and they are going to take their show on the road. So we've got some ideas going uh-huh. on. We might it's going to be fun. A gelato class where you make a bunch of different types of gelatos, and I have food to pair with them. Um, like a tomato basil gelato. Yeah, he could do, some... he could do some ricotta, tomato, uh-huh. like different really strange Olive and crazy oil. ones. Yeah, it'll be, I'm really excited. It is. It's some. It's a new thing to plan, and we'll try to get one in this uh, this fall before, um, as a little ta- a little beta test before mm-hmm. uh, we plan, so we can plan something permanent for next for next season. Yeah. But it's it... exciting. Um, they're great, and we've talked about Paolo and Antonio of Maki in um, Fano. Their gelato shop is great. Well, but the uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I can. The sun is fully. I know up. that's what the, I was going to um, say. <laughs> it's warm. It's warmed up. It's warm enough to go outside now, and I know I got a ton of work to do. Tonight. I know I've got laundry to uh, flip. That's for sure. And at least the house is clean. It feels good, and. Um, time to get fall the next chapter of the season going yeah and um so thank you very much for uh, downloading and listening to our podcast i i hope that we can be a little bit more consistent now that the the busiest time of our season is over but and thanks for your patience and writing to us and asking us to continue it's really sweet it is um from beautiful sunny italy um it's going to be another gorgeous uh late summer day thank you very much for uh downloading and listening and we'll talk to you next time ciao arrivederci Sentire Media. Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. 
and we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.